Hey gang, Tom Mullen here. Do you have a child who spends more time than you'd like in front of screens consuming low quality content? Well, you can turn that screen time into something fun and worthwhile. I'm talking about mini coders, an educational game-based platform including companion apps made for kids with video tutorials, virtual assistant, and games where kids learn coding skills while they play in the Roblox metaverse, all under the safety and guidance of a virtual assistant and in-game tutors. MiniCoders is perfect for homeschooled, unschooled, or traditionally schooled children alike and helps them build 21st century skills and have a ball doing so. Right now, you can try out MiniCoders with no obligation by registering for a free trial at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders. That's M-I-N-I-C-O-D-E-R-S. Again, just visit TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders and start your free trial today. Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Today, I had a few things on my mind under the general subject of lies, damn lies, and statistics. And the first statistic I wanted to talk about was Twitter accounts. And because Elon Musk is back in the news saying, well, I guess I will buy Twitter for the original price of, I think, $44 billion. Now, you remember that he had tried to back out of the deal, citing that Twitter had not satisfied its requirement to prove that it had less than, I think it was 5% fake accounts, bot accounts, accounts that are not real people. And this whole drama around Twitter being the new public square and that it has some political effect, I just wanted to challenge that for a moment because, and you can go and verify this yourself, you got to take a look at, all right, how many accounts does Twitter have, U.S. accounts, people who live in the United States? And that number I've been looking for the past several months has stayed around 70 million. So 70 million U.S. accounts. And that just means that there's a login and be posting or something posting. Now, let's just take that number for a minute and think about it. If there's only 70 million U.S. accounts, how much of a political effect can this have? That's less than the number of people who voted for Donald Trump in the last election, for example. And it's also less than half of the total number of people who voted. And it doesn't stop there. Let's just say that that 70 million roughly resembles a cross-section of U.S. residents. Okay, so we would assume that they're, that out of 70 million, that, that most of those are skewed towards adults or at least over 16. Okay, so you could take out the 75 or 78 or so million children and look at the U.S. population and say, okay, maybe this roughly represents about 260 million Americans, that it's a cross-section of those people. 
Now, out of that 260 million, only 150 million voted in the last election. So about 57% of the adults living in the United States voted in the in the last election. And some of those are not eligible voters. Some of those aren't even citizens. Of course, we have dead people voting too. So that kind of swings it the other way, but not that much. So if the 70 million U.S. accounts for Twitter roughly represents the adult population in the United States, then it's only something like 40 million of those Twitter accounts that could have been affected by anything Twitter does to filter out news it doesn't like or, or skew an election one way or the other. So I'm not saying that that's insignificant, that there's 40 people who might be influenced or 40 million people who might be influenced one way or another, but this by no means represents uh, the public square. I mean, the vast majority of people who vote are not on Twitter and are not affected by anything that Twitter does or doesn't do or any news it filters so I just think that this whole idea that free speech is on the line and Elon Musk is coming in to save it is just grossly exaggerated. And of course, Elon Musk has his own motivations for doing this. Maybe he cares about free speech. Maybe there are lots of other reasons, including the glorification of Elon Musk that are motivating him to do this. Although $44 billion is a lot of money to lay out for a vanity project. So I'm sure there's more than that. But I just want to throw a little cold water on this hysteria because I don't think that that social media has anywhere near the effect on elections that right now the right wants to make you think that it does. There have been times, of course, where the left has been equally hostile towards whatever they're doing and claiming that Vladimir Putin's Facebook ads somehow tipped the election for Trump over Hillary. Just another fever dream. But I would venture to say that absolutely not one vote was changed by, let's say, Twitter suppressing the Hunter Biden story. 74 million people voted for Donald Trump. If you would have told me before the election that any any more than 70 million, that even 70 million people were going to come out and vote for a Republican candidate, I would have told you you were crazy. That's If you think that getting a lot of votes is an accomplishment, this is an incredible achievement that he pulled off. Way more votes than he got in the election before. And I just think, you know, maybe there were some swing voters that might have gone the other way with the Hunter Biden story. I tend to doubt it. I think we're way past the news affecting anybody's vote in the United States. Now, I am pretty suspicious of the 81 million vote total for Joe Biden. I think that there was a lot of fraud in the election, obviously a lot more than there had ever been before because they did this whole mail-in voting thing. And I think it's just supreme gaslighting to try and tell people it was the cleanest election that we've ever had. I and mean, we have all kinds of Democrats on the record, including Barack Obama, saying that mail-in voting is more susceptible than fraud. And we don't need them to tell us that. Obviously, when you just mass mail out pieces of paper to hundreds of millions of people, 
you're going to have a lot fall through the cracks. That's not even, that's without even any kind of malicious intent. And there was plenty of malicious intent as there is in every election. And I think that you just got a lot more of it here, whether or not it was enough to turn the election in those swing states. Well, we're never going to know because we didn't get any of the best cases for that, make it into a court and get people under oath and and really try to get to the truth. Not that the government's courts always get to the truth, but at least there's some kind of adversarial process there. But I don't know that Sleepy Joe didn't stumble over the finish line with enough votes, even if you take away all the fraudulent votes, of which I believe there was a lot more. But in any case, I, I just think that the social media is deciding the elections and you know, this is all a free speech issue, which by the way, it's not. This is private property. I know that someone's going to say, oh, you libertarians are so sick about private property when civilization's under attack. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's always hard when somebody uses their own property for something you don't like. But I will remind people that private property owners have a right to exclude people for whatever reasons they wish, even if their reasons align with something maybe the government wants or one of the political parties want. And certainly people are allowed to kick Democrats off a social media platform like Parler just because they're Democrats. I mean, that's what we believe. If we don't, then, okay, well, let's kick this whole private property thing out and let's see how the, the chips fall then. Believe me, the left would like nothing more than that. They'd like nothing more to establish a firm precedent that the defenders of private property, mm, they're, they're not so absolute about it after all. And there's lots of cracks in their argument and they're willing to, to fold. That, that's why I stick to... Look, let Twitter do whatever it wants. Let Facebook do whatever it wants. And I don't believe that they're having the effect that you know the right would have you think. So that's, that's one thing I wanted to talk about today. And maybe I'll talk about it some more with some more detailed numbers if I get the time to dig into that. But again, the, the big number is 70 million total U.S. accounts. Oh, and I forgot one other thing. Let's just pretend or, or, or assume for a moment that 5% of those accounts are bots. Now, now, Elon Musk says there's more than 5%, but let's just say it was 5% are bots. Well, that takes another 3.5 million off that 70 million number. Now you're down to 66.5 million total U.S. accounts. So this is not the public square of the 330 million person U.S. residency or or even the 260 million or so adults in the U.S. This is nothing close to that. It's a fraction of, of that population, and we, we ought not forget that. Let's take a short break for this important message. Let me ask you something. What if there was someone out there who kept a log of every single thing you did every minute of the day? That would probably creep you out. Well, that's exactly what happens every time you go online. Your internet provider stores logs of every website you've ever visited and can legally sell this data to anyone. Worse yet, the government can obtain your data via bulk FISA order even if you're not personally suspected of any crime. That's why I use ExpressVPN. 
ExpressVPN reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your internet provider can't see or log what you do online. Visit expressvpn.com slash Mullen right now and find out how you can get three months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Mullen. Protect your data and get three months for free today. The other bit of phony statistics I wanted to talk about was the jobs report, which came out today. And as I've said on many podcasts before, the jobs report is just kind of a made up number. It has some basis in reality because the government runs a phone survey. And based on that phone survey, they make all kinds of assumptions to come up with this number of jobs. And like every economic statistic collected by the government, it's always skewed a little to add more jobs than than subtract. Okay. And that doesn't matter who's president. These are lifelong bureaucrats who just generally, you know, are skewed that way. It's just like every every statistic the government puts out. They always want inflation to not look as bad as it really is. That doesn't mean it, it's twice as bad but it might actually be at this point but it it's it's downplay they downplay inflation they inflate the number of jobs that are created they downplay the unemployment rate by just taking people out of the workforce so there's always this bias in these statistics to make things look like they're a little bit better than they are because the government's you know they're running things just like in the Soviet Union So anyway, we get this jobs report today, and according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, 263,000 jobs were created last month, and that's just under the 267,000 projected. So, you know, not, not really a big disappointment, but a little under what was projected. But the other statistic that came out was that the unemployment rate went down just a little bit from 3.7 to 3.5%. And if you're over the hill like I am, you remember a time when this was way under the number that the Federal Reserve claim was full employment. Remember, they have a dual mandate to maintain full employment and also price stability on the CPI. So, of course, they're not doing a very good job with price stability, They really have never done a very good job with price stability, and price stability is not a goal the government should be involved in at all. In a market economy, there wouldn't necessarily be price stability. You'd have prices adjusting constantly to current economic conditions. But I don't want to get too off on on that tangent. Just to say that at 3.5%, of course, they're counting unemployment much differently than they used to. 30, 40 years ago, but even after they started not counting people who gave up looking for work and all kinds of other people that they take out of the number, they still used to consider anything, I think it was below 4.5 or 5% full employment because in, in a very healthy economy, of course, people are always leaving one job and going to another 
or for other reasons are temporarily unemployed, you're never going to have 0% unemployment. I guess Hitler got that in the 1930s when for a while he passed a law that made it illegal to quit your job unless you got the government's permission. So he he might have got close to 0% unemployment for a short time there, you know, just because he had a gun to everyone's head. You will not be unemployed. But, and, and of course, you know, this idea that the fascists were uber capitalists is another myth that's made up by the left. The fascists were primarily, their primary reason for existence was anti-capitalism, and they said so. Mussolini wrote about it. Hitler said so. Hitler's people said so. That the capitalist system, along with everything else about what they called liberalism back then, which meant free markets, limited government, etc., that all that had to go. But they were primarily motivated by anti-capitalism, which is the primary motivation of all tyrants when you come down to it. Again, I digress. So I just wanted to talk about how crazy our current situation is. And I think I've mentioned this before, but it just gets crazier all the time. So right now the market is tanking and uh, there's lots of reasons for that. I think that we're in a situation where the long-term prospects for the stock markets are bearish. Several months ago, the stick that the Buffett indicator was flashing that the S&P would 50% lower in 12 years from where it was at that time, which was somewhere around 4,700. So at its peak or near its peak at 45, something around there, the Buffett indicator was saying 12 years from then, which would be 2,034, that the, that the, S&P 500 would be half of what it was then, down in the low 20s. So that's scary. I don't know if that's going to come true, but that's what the indicator was saying. So (laughs) I think there's a lot of reasons to think the stock market needs to go down some more. You never know. Certainly, I wouldn't give investment advice to anybody, although you know, I, I've done okay, <laughs> but sometimes it scares me the way I've done okay because it doesn't really make any sense. But getting back to the markets tanking, why are the markets tanking particularly today? What's the pin that that popped the bubble again today after that little rally we had? Well, it's good news. It's the fact that the markets now see these statistics that say that unemployment is down, so that should be good, right? But good news is bad news because it means the Fed isn't going to come in with more quantitative easing sooner than later. So the market's sitting here waiting for all these statistics to come out, and they're hoping for bad news because that means that the Fed will print more money instead of the very little tightening that it's done so far. And that I just want to remind people how idiotic a system that is, how poor a way that is to allocate capital. So the stock markets have a value to the economy. And the value is supposed to be that they're looking at all the companies that are out there publicly traded and deciding which ones are going to make profits and reward their owners, their shareholders with dividends. That's the way it's supposed to work. That's the stock market's function. But it hasn't been that way for decades because now 
They just look at like what company is going to be the beneficiary of the most inflation. And when I say inflation, I mean the expansion of money and credit, not rising prices. That is the effect of inflation. So what a screwed up way. Now, I'm not saying that the market isn't also allocating capital towards profitable companies, but you have this other huge motivation for allocating capital that's completely artificial. It's completely government intervention, and it's completely destructive. It not only drives up prices, you know, even back when inflation was 2%, prices shouldn't be have been going up 2%. They should have been falling. We had all this automation. We had all these goods and services able to be produced with less people and less money, less cost, but yet prices kept going up because that's the Fed inflating. And they can get away with 2% because most people are conditioned now that, that prices should always go up. In the 19th century, prices always went down. No, I don't mean every day they went down, but when they did go up, by the way, it was always some monetary event, either the Bank of the United States doing something or the government, like Lincoln printing his greenbacks. That was always the cause of inflation or a war where money was, again, inflated even by banks in the free banking system when they would overextend themselves beyond the gold standard. That's where you have inflation. But overall, because of the discipline of the gold standard, prices fell throughout the 19th century. If you had a hundred bucks in your bank account in 1800 and you made it to 1900, that hundred bucks was worth almost twice as much. You could buy almost twice as much with that hundred bucks as you could back in 1800. The exact opposite of the experience of anybody alive today who think it's some natural thing that prices go up when it's not. So now prices are going up enough where people are starting to get angry and the Fed knows they can get a lot angrier. So they're trying to fight inflation, but I'll tell you, they're not really decreasing the money supply all that much. The monetary base has fallen about 14% over the last year. I mean, it had doubled before that, so it's not like this is a big deal. Let's take a short break for this important message. Friends, if you're enjoying the content here on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can support my efforts here a couple of ways at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support. You can join my Patreon for as little as $3 per month and get machine transcripts to every episode and access to my members-only MeWe group, while all access patrons also get my paid subscriber-only articles and videos, or you can become a VIP patron to get all of that, plus access to all of my online courses and a signed copy of the Tom Mullen book of your choice. Now, if you prefer Substack, I also post my paid subscriber-only content there. Find links to all the ways you can support the show at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support. That's TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support. Become a supporter of Tom Mullen Talks Freedom today. And now let's get back to our episode. How could I 
Fed's balance sheet hasn't gone down quite as much. I want to get some people on to really dig into the mechanics and the details of that. But we haven't seen enough decrease in the supply of money and credit. M2 is still virtually unchanged to see prices come down, and they're not coming down. Now, they should come down. Sooner or later, the inflation rate should deflate on its own because you know, while let's say in June of this year, you were looking at the year over year increase from the June before, before you had had all this rise in prices, sooner or later, like by next June, you're looking at this past June after there had already been a significant increase in prices. So the inflation rate, the amount that it keeps going up sooner or later starts to go down naturally without any monetary intervention. And then the Fed is trying to do something here with um, its Fed funds rate, which again, now that it's divorced from the money supply, you know, all it does is kind of dampen new lending rather than decrease the money supply directly, which it used to do before the banks had all these excess reserves. The Fed would sell securities into the market and pull money into the market and pull money directly out of the money supply. So that was a different dynamic. It was raising the Fed funds rate was a much more direct effect on the total amount of dollars sloshing around out there. So so all these things going on, you know, this is why I titled my book, It's the Fed Stupid. And if you... And if you don't remember the 20th century or the early 1990s, then you might not know where the title came from. It came from Bill Clinton's political guru, James Carville, who wrote on the board of the campaign office, The Economy Stupid. I think it was number two on his list of things that he wanted the campaign staffers to remember. The Economy Stupid. Not It's the Economy Stupid, but the economy's stupid. That's what he wrote up there. And what he was trying to say is, look, people vote in what they perceive to be their economic interests. They may not be right, but that's how they vote. And of course, this is how they voted for Donald Trump. They thought that his mercantilist trade barrier talk was going to help them. Of course, it was a disaster when he did implement it for about a year in 2018 to 2019, when he really got those those heavy tariffs on, manufacturing went into a depression or recession, I should say, went below the ISM manufacturing index, went below 50%. And then, of course, when he took off the heavy tariffs and just left the light ones on, it recovered immediately. So <laughs> this was a, a disaster for manufacturing. Nobody cares about that. Nobody cares about reality. They just care about how they feel. So him talking about trade deals made them feel good. Getting back to you know how screwed up our economy is. So we have this unemployment number, which is itself, of course, manipulated downward. But to the extent that it's been manipulated downward for quite a while now, we'll just use it. And all these investors say, oh, we're not going to get inflation, uh, new money printed, 
this month. <laughs> the Fed is going to be able to stick to its tough talk for a little while longer. So we're going to sell our stocks because we were only buying them on the expectation that we were going to get inflation. So we've got a really screwed up economy. The only good news is that the rest of the world is even worse. As you saw that the United Kingdom recently went back to quantitative easing because of the new prime minister's tax cuts and and all of the debt that they're going to be issuing. Someone's got to buy it. The market's not going to buy it. So their, their central bank is going to buy it. They're going to monetize that debt. And Europe, of course, is very sick. And one of the things, I, the last thing I'll say here is that you have to temper your doom and gloom about the United States with the fact that the rest of the world is, for the most part, worse. You could make an, an argument that China has been a little bit better they have all kinds of bubbles throughout their economy. They've got a huge real estate problem. Of course, they've already come down some. They've already had a big correction. There might be more ahead. But Europe certainly just went on being even worse socialists, even worse money printers than the United States. So you're going to have this effect of capital fleeing Europe and coming to the United States just because it's it's the the strongest horse in the glue factory. Okay. And and I've had Tom Luongo on a few times. I'm going to have him on soon again. Kind of want to wait until whatever's shaking out this fall shakes out and have him on to give his assessment. But a hat tip to him for pointing towards Europe as what he calls the weak sister in the in the global economy, because they're going down, as you can see. And, you know, this might give a temporary boost to the United States or at least keep us on life support before our currency finally collapses. But I think we're a lot closer to that point than we were, let's say, in the last big financial crisis in 2008, because what money printing does is it just wastes capital over time. And of course, we've got other factors in the U.S. economy that dampen economic growth. The New Deal is still in place. That's got to go. Sooner or later, the, the army of bureaucrats that decides how all business is done and write their own laws to do that, who knows what innovation that that has suppressed. When, when you're telling businesses, this is the way you have to be safe, this is the way you have to do everything, then of course you're, you're strangling innovation. And while we've had great gains in computing over the last several decades, you know, we haven't had a sea change in the way energy is produced. You know, without the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, maybe we'd have micro reactors in everyone's automobiles. You never know. People think that that's a safety concern. Well, why don't more ships blow up? Why don't we have more nuclear submarine accidents? Why has that been safe for the last 50 years? Anyway, Lots to think about there. I just wanted to point out, you know, it's the Fed stupid, of course. The whole economy is revolving around what basically one man decides to do. So we have some market activity in sectors, but we don't have a market economy in that respect. And that's not going to end well for anybody, including us. But again, we may have a little bit of life 
while while we suck all the capital out of Europe and they they descend into medieval conditions and that might buy us a little bit of time. Got more guests coming up this coming week and I'll tell you about more about those on Monday. But everybody have a great weekend and if you're in the western New York area, you might stop out at Ponies in Middleport, New York, where I'm going to do my first live music gig in, I think, in about five years. Had too many books to ghostwrite to be worried about that kind of thing. I did some stuff online during 2020, but uh, really haven't gone and done this, so it should be an adventure. And if you like the music that you've heard on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, of course, that's all my own, and you can hear more at TomMullenSings.com. Thanks for listening. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.